is the Unintelligent Chat Show, a place for chuckles and a podcast for the curious. Here, Rob and Lloyd attempt to teach you something new every week and invariably fall short. Over to you, gentlemen. Welcome to the first fully hungover episode of the Unintelligent Chat Show. No, that's not There's true. There's a few every season. <laughs> this is the one where I've... I've this I've I've felt better. Yeah. <laughs> Look, it happens. It happens. It does. Are you? Uh, I'm going to assume coffee. But what are you drinking? For for a hot minute after waking up, I was like, "Should we do it?" And then I decided that was a terrible idea because I felt like a trash person. So uh, <laughs> indeed, like I- Oscar. <laughs> yes. Is he just hung over all the time? <laughs> Probably. Uh, indeed, today is coffee, <clears throat> and I heard you crack something before we started recording. Tell me all about it. Guinness. Couldn't think of a joke. Sorry. <laughs> it's Guinness. <laughs> I laughed anyway. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> Do you want to know the distance between us in a specific way? Definitely. It's all. I, it's the only reason I got up. <laughs> but between us, there are 461,604.9 nine. Boeing 727s. Say the number again. I tuned out. (laughs) (laughs) You said something. I said one number, and within that time, you just moved on mentally. (laughs) Not moved on, Lloyd. It's more like you moved on with the show, and I stagnated. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. The number is 461,604.9. Yeah, okay. It's a nice round. It's not, that's entirely incorrect. It's not round. It's a a nice middle of the road number for for what we do on this show. It's yeah. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's not wicked high. It's not wicked low. It's just a just a. a, a this doesn't need to be said. Right? Why is that relevant, Rob? <laughs> oh, lordy! Uh, this week, Lloyd, I learned about D. B. Cooper, which. I have to assume is douchebag Cooper. <laughs> Fucking got him. <laughs> Pretty sure he got himself. Uh, so, this tell me about Mr. Cooper. This is a weekly learning bequeathed to us to uh, to bequeathed to us by my wonderful wife. Uh, so it feels like cheating, but uh, I'm half in charge of this podcast. So who gives a shit? Um, I certainly don't. So that's the full, that's like a whole in charge of this podcast person. (laughs) That's one whole in charge person. All right. Uh, And in true Lloyd fashion, this fact is about pirates. Nice. Ah, It's not, it's not about wooden, wooden booty pirates, Uh, more about air piracy. So I'll give it to you though. I've, I've framed it in an appropriate way to try and make us sound not like a true crime podcast. So this week I learned the longest FBI investigation ever ran for 45 years with an active case file and has never been appropriately solved. Damn. And I think loads of people know the story. And I, I, I like, knew the name but didn't really know what it was about until M told me about it. And so this, after I finish these words, the next words will be the story of the notorious douchebag Cooper. You've really been channeling Perd happily the last couple of episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Shush. Okay, so, on the afternoon of November 24th, the year 1971, uh, Thanksgiving Eve, 
which I don't believe is a thing, but it was written like that somewhere that I was reading. Uh, a very average looking dude calling himself Dan Cooper. A little bit of a, a normie, you could say. <laughs> this is a real uh, shit on D.B. Cooper. Episode, <laughs> oh, well, he was a criminal, Lloyd, and I, don't, I, do, I do not stand for crime. Douchebag Cooper, the plain looking loser, <laughs> walked into an airport. <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> All right, the strapping young businessman, Daniel Big Dick Cooper. <laughs> if we want if you want to pump him up, we can do that too. <laughs> he might be listening. There's a whole story here. Ah, oh, he might be. Uh, enters Portland International Airport and uses cold hard cash to buy himself a ticket to Seattle Tacoma Airport, which I believe is also in the United States of America. Uh, and he buys this ticket on Northwest Orient Airlines, which now feels a little racist. I don't reckon they had anything to do with the Orient. Yeah, it's a weird choice of name. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this cost him $20 to walk into an airport and get on an airplane. Damn. That's and un- unbelievable. It's a fake name, right? So he didn't even have ID. He just strolled he, up, gave yeah, someone 20 bucks. That He could... He At this point, you could just walk onto a plane with whatever you wanted, apparently. Uh, it's amazing that wasn't more crime. I would have committed crimes. <laughs> I could be anyone I want. I'd do anything I like. Uh, and so I was just shitting on Dan Cooper before, uh, calling him a average person because he, he he was described as average looking. He had no accent. He was a middle-aged white dude in a suit carrying a briefcase called Dan. So I think my... Yeah, district- you're not going to remember him. No. Uh, <laughs> unless he does, what happens next? <laughs> You won't believe what happens next, Lloyd. <laughs> That's episode five. Moving yeah. on. Oh, God. Uh, after the plane takes off, Mr. Dan hands the note to one of the flight attendants who assumes it it's his phone number and he's just looking for a sweet hookup when they get to wherever they're going. Seattle, Tacoma. Uh, and she, she just slips it into her pocket and he's like, damn it. So he leans over <laughs> and is like, miss, you better look at that note. I have a bomb. It's the colonel. Um, <laughs> I thought he didn't have an accent. Get your story straight. Uh, You would have made a terrible air pirate. (laughs) Air pirate. Uh, I'm here to take take your plane. (laughs) So it turns out he's a pirate. Uh, Miss, you'd better be looking at that note there. I have a bomb. Yeah, he didn't have an accent. Pretty unmemorable guy, really. (laughs) He was wearing a big hat and had a parrot as well. (laughs) So she's... (laughs) This has gone way better than I expected. She, <laughs> she, so she sits down with him and is like, like, I assume they were told not to tell people if someone's got a bomb. So she discreetly sits down and asks to see the bomb. And he like opens the case a little bit. And she's like, yep, there's a bunch of dynamite in there and a bunch of wires. Looks <laughs> looks like a bomb. So I will If I know bombs, <laughs> and I think I do. Um, so no one can recall the exact words that were on the note he gave her because he took it back later in order to remove evidence. Mm-hmm. But it basically demanded 200,000 US dollars. No, oh, well, damn, I said it wrong. It basically demanded 200K in negotiable US currency. And I did mm. a little cheeky check. And that is worth 1.5 million Benjamins. Nope, that's a certain amount of money. It's $1.5 million. Okay, it's not nothing. Yeah, so it's a bit of cash. What is what is ne- negotiable U.S. currency? Uh, Does that mean that he'll accept any bill? 
No What's idea. What's he saying? Or like bonds or something? I don't know. Yeah, uh, maybe it's got to be cash. It could have said cash. I don't know, Lloyd. Uh, and he, so he requests 200 because I, I looked this up because I was like 200k is not worth stealing a plane for but at the time it was worth quite a bit yeah uh, and he also requested four parachutes and a fuel truck to be standing by in Seattle to refuel the plane so everyone's everyone's like alright we've reached an accord um, and uh, everyone agrees that the note definitely had the words no funny business on it so Dan 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 means business but none of it's funny yeah <laughs> Dan means serious business. Some serious business allowed, but definitely no funny business. No funny business. So the pilot is informed. Air traffic control are contacted by the pilot, I assume. Not, not no one else. There's no like special air traffic control contact person. Uh, and then local and federal authorities are informed, along with the president. They, it's not the president of you. They call the president of Northwest Orient. And I'm like, I, I guess he's in charge of this situation. Uh, Just the CEO. That's not who I would ask for help. Yeah, right. But uh, yeah, everyone agrees to, to play ball while and while they uh, pull the cash together and go get themselves some parachutes, which apparently was harder than getting the money together. <laughs> really? Yeah, because no one would... Uh, he didn't want military-grade parachutes. He wanted oh. civilian parachutes. Um, and so they had to go to like some skydiving school and like buy some off this begrudging owner <laughs> like we need this for a, it's basically a hostage situation just take the money yeah. <laughs> so they while they're getting all this stuff together the plane circles and the captain informs the other passengers of some minor technical delays which like they would have been like great normal stuff on shitty u.s domestic airlines so so the, the, the people are getting the demands and at this point mr cooper is pretty chill he's drinking a bourbon and a soda uh, no, no, bourbon and soda, not a bourbon and a soda. <laughs> uh, he's paid his tab like a good gentleman. Uh, he's talked to the attendants about the, the terrain. Uh, he's like, oh, look, that's so-and-so down there. Uh, and one of them asks him if he has a grudge against the airline. Apparently, he replied, uh, I don't have a grudge against your airline, miss. I just have a grudge, which I thought was a pretty cool line. That is pretty cool. He started off as a bit of a normie, but he's, he's, he's turning into a pretty cool, pretty cool gangster, air, air pirate. Yeah. <laughs> Helped by my shocking accent. <laughs> so everyone's everyone's guessed that he's planning to bail on this this plane mid-flight somewhere because of the parachutes, obviously. But they couldn't mm-hmm. give him duds and just let him kill himself because he'd asked for multiple. So they assumed he was going to be taking a hostage or something with him. So they had to give working parachutes, which is a pretty mm-hmm. smart move on his heart. His part yeah i think i wouldn't have thought of that and i would have just no me neither duds jumped out of the plane and <laughs> i would i would have yeah i would have jumped straight out <laughs> end of the story yeah they definitely would have given me a working parachute i demanded it i'm charged of this uh, I, he specifically requested no funny business bro. you forget about that <laughs> i wrote that clearly and everyone agreed uh so the plane lands in seattle tacoma parachutes and cash are delivered uh then the passengers and one flight attendant are released which is nice doesn't put them in any danger. And Mr. Nice. Dan directs the flight to take off again and fly to Mexico City. And Mr. Dan knows his shit. Uh, he gets angry because the refuel takes too long because he knows how long it should take for the amount of fuel and the flow rates, blah, 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 blah. Because he thinks they're up to some funny business and he specifically requested no funny business. Mm. So he got angry about that. So they're like, all right, all right, all right, all right. We'll, we'll refuel the plane. Uh, and he instructs the pilot a specific route 
to get to Mexico City, a specific airspeed and altitude for him to make a safe skydive uh, because he mm. knows you can breathe normally at 10,000 feet. So he also instructs the cabin to be depressured so that when he opens the back stairs, there's no like movie style implosion of air kind of jam. Yeah. Uh, the crew are told to stay in the cockpit which at the time had no peephole because apparently no one gave a shit about air safety in the 70s. Uh, and 15 minutes after takeoff, a warning light, the captain says a warning light comes on and tells him that a door is open. And then 25 minutes later, the plane makes a slight, like, it had a fancy word for it, but it was basically a slight dip and then corrected itself. And the captain noted the location of where they were above the Lewis River, 25 miles north of Portland, because uh, he assumed that's when he jumped. Uh, and then he carries on to land, uh, and Cooper is gone. So he's made he's made the jump. Apparently, the flight was initially followed by F one hundred six fighter planes. Like the the authorities scrambled fighter jets to follow the plane, but oddly enough, they were too fast for the the seven two seven that everyone was flying in. I reckon that that's the first time I've said 727 which is the whole reason you used 727 in your distance so this was a 727 yeah I think people could have put two and two together I hope no seven and two and seven together (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that about the the fighter jets yeah Yeah. pretty cool right Uh, yeah but apparently they were too fast so like this isn't working Um, so then they tried to get the National Guard like I don't know slow plane <laughs> so a Lockheed T-33 I just assumed it was slower than a fighter pl- fighter plane the shit, the shit one they had in the shed <laughs> yeah get the biplane <laughs> <laughs> but he um, he already jumped by the time that caught up so mm. he's jumped the plans land everyone's happy he's got away with 200k and they just do extensive searches are undertaken for weeks after the event and they find nothing they check records for Dan Cooper in DFBI. The uh, there's a suspect from Oregon called D.B. Cooper who was investigated because he had a criminal record and had the same name, but he was quickly cleared because obviously it was a fake name. Uh, but the media got a hold of this, and that's how the story came to be about D.B. Cooper rather than just uh, Captain Dan Cooper. D.B. Cooper sounds cooler as well. Yeah, and except when the podcast host calls you douchebag, and then <laughs> and then you finally come out of hiding, and we solve the case. <laughs> just to murder us but we'll go down in history <laughs> well worth it uh so none of the bills are because they obviously took took uh they knew the serial numbers of all the bills none of these turned up in circulation they had over 800 suspects that were investigated and they checked them all against the unknown fingerprints from the plane and from his glass and all that stuff nothing uh in 1980 some of the bills are discovered in the columbia river uh by a little kid just like stumbles across this like roll of of bills um and searches start again in that in that area which is different to where they thought he jumped because the the weather was shit and stuff and no one really knew where he jumped Mm. um but apparently there was a a volcanic eruption in the area where that evidence was found and um like soon after they found it so they think that maybe any other physical evidence was destroyed afterwards if there was any wow D.B. Cooper is a master of planning. <laughs> Genius. And since then, heaps of people have claimed either to be D.B. Cooper or that he was a relative of theirs and you know they have a story about it. But the FBI have substantiated none of these claims. And I was thinking, like, that's how people tried to get famous back then. 
because yeah. there was no Instagram. So they're just like, oh, I'm a criminal. Put me in the newspaper. Yeah. I read through a lot of the, the people that claims oh, really? and the vast majority of them, even me without my FBI training, I was like, yeah, that sounds like bullshit. Yeah. But there was one, there oh. was one that really stood out to me. Was it? And you actually gave me more than I read that makes me think that this was pretty convincing. Tell me about it. I did not read this. Um, so this guy thought that it was his brother who was D.B. Cooper. Mm. His brother was a former military paratrooper who worked at the same airline, oh. bought a new house shortly after the crime happened. Oh. And when shown a photograph of his brother, a flight attendant admitted that there was a resemblance, but she wouldn't say conclusively, like, yes, that's him. She was like, yeah, that could yeah, be him. Okay. But the FBI and, must um, have had a reason to dismiss that. Yeah, I didn't see why the FBI didn't didn't think it was him maybe his whereabouts at the time or something but the fact that you said he knew about the timing of the refuel um the fact that he asked for four parachutes and didn't want military parachutes wanted civilian ones which tells me he knows a little bit about parachuting Mm. he also used one of the parachutes he dismantled it and used the cord to tie the bag of money to him so he obviously knew that you could easily take the cord out and like he knew how to work with that because that would frustrate me if it took me 30 minutes and like oh shit yeah. now we're here, now <laughs> I out of the plane. <laughs> um that was the only one that even came close a yeah. lot of them were like trash were trash people obviously yeah there was even um a book did you see the the guy mccoy no i did not i, re- I just FBI read the agent, story and nothing else <laughs> an fbi agent wrote a book saying that it was this guy mccoy who was a oh. copycat a year later and he said the crime was like too perfectly similar he looked the same. Everything was the same. And an, even the agent that killed McCoy was quoted as saying, when I shot McCoy, I shot D.B. Cooper. Oh, do you believe yeah. any of those? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, they're plausible. I want to think that he got away and just like chilled and lived a good yeah, life. Yeah, like that. that's the dream, but I, I definitely don't think that happened. <laughs> I think he did. Because well, they, yeah. they closed the case in 2016. So like mm-hmm. I said, longest running FBI case ever, like without formal conclusion. So like, with all of that stuff, the copycat, who sounds like he was shot, um, classic American crime fighting, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, they would have that would have come up, and they would have been like, "Yeah, it's the guy. We closed the case." But um, I think it's probably like legal precedence needs. What's what's the phrase like inconclusive? No, conclusive evidence like beyond a reasonable doubt. Yeah, I think that okay. a lot of agents were like, "Yeah, it could be this guy," but. We yeah, can't. No we can't evidence. like accuse someone of being a hostage-taking ransom taker when we don't know for sure. Because yeah, you can't. That's bring probably charges illegal. until you have evidence. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But anyway, they, the formal conclusion of the case was that the, the best guess is that he didn't survive the jump because apparently it was bad weather. It was the middle of winter. He actually jumped over some pretty serious wilderness in Washington State, and the type of parachute that he had couldn't be properly steered, uh, and he was just in a suit. And not in like winter clothes, so and and you know none of the money turned up in circulation. The money that was found didn't look like it had been stashed. Looked like it had kind of you know ended up in the river and kind of flowed down and then got caught in a little bit of you know whatever on the edge. So yeah, I saw a picture of that cash and it was like ripped up, yeah, and holy and worn. Yeah. So look, unfortunately, I reckon he he just cooked the jump, but 
maybe he's out there i look look i hope he comes to try and kill us because we we badmouthed him on on the show so <laughs> yeah we'd love that yeah db if you're out there if you could just write us in it just use a pseudonym it's fine just call yourself you know douchebag cooper <laughs> dickbag cooper oh no <laughs> you can use the good one mr daniel big dick cooper <laughs> yeah use that one yeah and no one will don't even have to use cooper we won't know we, we'll, we'll not db cooper at gmail.com <laughs> genius uh, so that is the story of D.B. Cooper. It is incredibly interesting, and there are so many little details that you could get into. Uh, but that, that's, that's not what we do on this show. So if you want that, go listen to some true crime podcasts if, that, if that's what you want. Get, get right out of here. We just, we just talk about shit. Yeah. So, so what else did you learn? You know why you're here. Yeah. What else did you learn, Lloyd, on, um, on this topic? That, I mean, that's, that story is so good. Mm. It's one of my favorite things we've ever talked about on really? this podcast. I, I do the... Um, I want to get this out of the way first before I move on. Okay. I have a bonus um, upset Rob or don't get Rob started. Oh, mid podcast. All right. Get me started, yep. Lloyd. I'm already... It's just, it's just a bonus one. I'm already feeling pretty fragile today. The Marvel Universe. Ah, I already hate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew you would. Um, Loki is D.B. Cooper. And when someone finds out, Loki says, I was young and I'd lost a bet to Thor. <laughs> so that's why they couldn't find him, because it was Loki. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a cool little nugget that they put in their otherwise terrible franchise. It was, it was fun, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I, like you said, that, that story is so full of details. You could yeah. go on and on. And I just took it at face value. So Perfect. I looked up other famous Coopers. Oh, I love that. I, I was not thinking inspirationally. Tell me about other famous Coopers apart from Bradley. There is not many. Oh, it's just Bradley. <laughs> it, the, well, okay. So there's Ashley Cooper, who was a tennis player in the 50s. Great. The only interesting thing about him is that he won three out of four of the major tennis tournaments in 1958. And then in 1959, he turned professional, which didn't make a lot of sense to me. Nope. So okay. that's weird. Damn it, Ashley. And then I learned about Marion Caldwell Cooper. Mm. We might have to dedicate a whole episode to this geezer. Ah, uh, awesome. He was an American aviator, Air Fo- uh, United States and Polish Air Force officer, uh. adventurer, screenwriter, film director, and producer, uh. the founder of the Kosciuszko Squadron during uh. the Polish-Soviet War, uh. and also a Soviet prisoner of war. Uh. A notable movie producer got his first start with the documentary The Explorers Club, where he traveled the world documenting adventures. He what? was also a member of the board of directors for Pan American Airways. His first film was King Kong, and he was awarded an honorary Oscar for Lifetime Achievement. Oh, my God. It's one of those people that just, they just, just got it all. They're what, not what hung king. over on a Saturday morning doing a <laughs> shitty podcast. He's he doesn't have time to be hung over. Yeah. He probably just doesn't even get hung over, Lloyd. He's just one of those yeah. people. He's a pilot, drinks rum for breakfast makes movies and explores the world and gets lots probably gets lots of money for it yeah I, so i didn't even i didn't even research bradley cooper bradley you got nothing on marion yeah that your name's said, better but yeah, I barely i don't even know yeah I, look i honestly didn't know if marion was a guy a girl or a dog <laughs> yeah it's a man yep a polish american man wasn't clear yep yeah that was uh that i mean i that was just i love that that was really cool that's very cool yeah we'll we'll earmark that for another episode and is that all the famous coopers that's all of them there was a few others but they were like really uninspiring yeah boring boring famous yeah Ech. like like was an actor and i was like oh what was he in and it was just like some daytime tv shows mm. like that's not a famous cooper nope 
so I went much more like vanilla and just looked up other things about air piracy, which I, I quite like the term air piracy, actually. It's way cooler than hijacking. Oh, it's way better. Yeah. Uh, whoa. Sorry. Hello. I tried to get that in between, <laughs> between sentences. I was just plowing on. Um, so around this time, like I said before, you could, you could, you could pretty much just give someone some money and get on a plane. You could do whatever you wanted. And oddly enough, that meant that air piracy was strangely common. Uh, yeah, the security was something missing. Yeah. So in the 60s, I read a few different figures that don't necessarily line up, but they're numbers and we're here to talk about stuff. Um, in the 60s, there were 100 hijack attempts on US planes. And out of attempts. those, yeah, out of those, 77 were successful. Oh, my, that's way higher than I thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in 1968 to 1972, it's like a weirdly specific period, there were 326 hijack attempts worldwide, which doesn't sound like too bad. You're like, there's a bunch of planes flying, it's four years, 326. That equates to one hijacking every 5.6 days, which yeah, then you're like, nuts. I'm getting on a plane. Is, is today day 5.6? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, How do you think the 13 out of the hundred failed i reckon they're, they're, they're the ones where someone's overpowered them before they could like yeah pull a gun or or whatever i reckon it's where there's yeah. some like drunk rugby player who's just like now is my time just like <laughs> clotheslined him as he's going to the yeah. cockpit or something oh, i did it <laughs> i've been waiting for this my whole life <laughs> uh, and then takes over the hijacking not saving the plane <laughs> i've decided to turn to a life of crime immediate copycat <laughs> Hey, this looks fun. But this guy's too weak to pull it off. Uh, so, <laughs> so, at the time, because there were so many, they were kind of considered just a little bit of an inconvenience and a little bit of a joke. So much so that Time Magazine did a lighthearted comedy piece called What to Do When the Hijacker Comes. <laughs> they were At the time, I guess they were less like terror-inspired and more about people trying to just get some cash or go somewhere they weren't allowed to go. For example, of in that same time period, of the 326 hijack attempts, 90 of them were people in the US who wanted to go to Cuba. Oh, they just wanted some cigars. I, I'm not sure it was for a holiday. It was probably more for the like escaping crime and avoiding any kind of extradition kind of thing. Yeah, I think hijacking has taken a different definition in the last 20 years. Yeah, it sounds like it was way more fun before. Yeah, I, I get, it doesn't seem like there was any real violence maybe yeah. the, just the threat of like vague violence yeah. just although, to get what you wanted although i did there were there were i didn't write the stat down but there was like and here's the number of people that died during these hijack attempts and i was like ah damn it <laughs> uh, uh the youngest so it wasn't like gentleman criminals <laughs> no not quite the youngest ever hijacker was a 14 year old david... no one could overpower a 14 year old yeah, he must have had a gun david booth oh, in the u.s obviously and this is in 1969. This kid should have been like smoking pot and, I don't know, discovering his sexual awakening or something, not hijacking planes. Yeah, that's for your 20s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, whatever gets you off. What was his need to hijack a plane? Oh, don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was the youngest ever hijacker. And just to wrap it up, the longest ever hijacking... Or, Ooh, this follows on from a couple episodes ago where we did longest sieges. Oh yeah, it's it's basically the same thing, but with airplanes instead. Uh, 
It was in 1985 when Hezbollah uh, hijacked a flight from some airline that I didn't recognize, TWA. And if they flew the plane around for nearly two weeks, just like going to different airports, I don't know, demanding things and occasionally releasing passengers. Damn. Yeah. It, like, can you imagine being one of the hostages? Like, oh my God, this toilet is getting smelly, you guys. <laughs> can someone please clean it. And we also, we, we also ran out of crackers, little bags of yeah, crackers. Yeah, like, so bored. Oh my God, it'd be terrible and uncomfortable. God. Uh, well, hopefully he let enough passengers off that you could at least have a row. Yeah. Silly. Uh, and that mm. that is Douchebag Cooper and Air Piracy. Thank you for bringing this to the podcast, Rob slash M. M. Thanks, M. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just a messenger. And you often shoot them. <laughs> uh, what if right. I could? <laughs> it- Hashtag. 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 Upward tweeting. That's right, Lloyd. It's the mid-show segment. Hashtag upward tweeting. It's an oldie, but I still believe in it. It's a goodie. It's I like it. You know, and it might it might bring us some some like immense joy one day. One day. But for now, it's like mediocre joy, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's all you ever really needed in life. So, who uh, did you upward tweet upon? Tweety tweet. Uh, it was I I I, I got to. I got to Twitter. I got there. I did it. I got there. I opened it and I was like, wow, I actually don't know anybody famous or anybody at all. Um, <laughs> it was who, str- who am I? <laughs> Pretty much. It was a struggle. Uh, so I ended up doing a bit of a throwback tweet. I can't remember Ooh. which episode it was, but this week I tweeted, uh, uh, I'm going to call him friend of the podcast, uh, Mr. Brian Cranston from whatever episode that was where we talked about him. Yeah, he's Power Ranger. Yeah. And oh, it was in Power Rangers. Yeah, he was. He, Power Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because I am because I am having tech issues, I'm going to need you to confirm that he has replied and started to set up a date for us to have him on the show. Oh, let me fire up the old Twitter. And you should probably, you should probably read the tweet as well, because I totally forgot what I said. Here we go. Look like... All right, we got no likes... Perfect. No retweets. Excellent. And no comments. But he replied, right? <laughs> yeah, he DM'd us. You want to keep it on the DL. Damn it, Brian. All right, what did I say to him? It obviously right, wasn't convincing said, enough. <clears throat> Brian Cranston, you are a screen legend of particular skills with certain substances. <laughs> We're a podcast of chuckles that needs to make some fast cash by any means. Will you cook with us live on the show? P.S. Keen as beans for your new movie. Hashtag up a tweeting, hashtag legend, hashtag suck up. <laughs> I thought it was I quite good. I can't believe that didn't work. Right? Yeah. Anyway, no luck. Let us move on. What did you learn this week, Lloyd? I learnt that in the Amazon, specifically the Amazon basin, mm. there are an estimated 2.5 million species of insect. Oh, it's too many. It's so many although i have a bone to pick with science we're all of science i just want before you do that I'm, I'm keen to hear it i just love that like it took me most of my segment to explain the story and that that's your fact straight up and down <laughs> there are estimated 2.5 million species of insect in the amazon done done podcast over <laughs> cheerio <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a quickie i think that's good though it's yin and yang we're balancing sometimes you just need to bash out a quickie <laughs> 
in the podcast line. Got him. <laughs> tell oh, me more. Well, tell me more. Uh, well, my bone to pick is that many sources I read, they they just guessed that, and it said they have yet <laughs> to describe many of them. It's like what? Well, if you have you seen them? No, nah, you've I seen them. Like we, we we don't know that one. Remember it. We'll come back. Remember that one. We'll come back to it later. Nah, I I, I am on the side of science here. There is a there is a method to what you are perceiving as madness. Yeah. So but... you can pick your bone with me, son. Nah, I'd rather take it up with all of science things. All of science. I am not a worthy enough opponent. <laughs> <laughs> no, but science can't get back to me. Whereas you, you're you're almost too worthy an opponent. I don't Aww. want any recoil. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fuck you, science. All right. You, me- you, you can't have any methods that definitely estimate things by using evidence. Don't worry about that. <laughs> You're just looking at bugs and trying to remember them. Yeah, but with memory, not even writing them down. You just point at them. <laughs> it's just people in white coats walking through the Amazon like, Whoa, oh, look at that one. Whoa. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, blue. Get that one. Oh, it's gone. Oh, well. Damn it. I'll Estimate, remember it. <laughs> add it to the estimation. Yeah. Where are we up to? 2.4 billion. Keep going. <laughs> Science would be a lot more chaotic. Can you imagine? I'd be so stressed. We'll have an intern type it up. <laughs> what happens to the intern? Oh, he got bitten by 14 different species of spider. <laughs> yeah, he's a superhero now. <laughs> no, he's dead, Lloyd. <laughs> this is not the bullshit Marvel Universe. He's dead. The intern all right. Is dead. Well, since my fact was not a story, all I really have now is facts about insects in the Amazon. <laughs> facts about having sex in the Amazon. <laughs> yeah, it sucks. <laughs> A few little things about how important insects are to the Amazon. All insects we get are little, Lloyd. The... <laughs> Carry on. I'm done. I'm done. That's it. I'm finished. Tell me all about things. We'll see. Uh, before I get into details, insects are super important to the Amazon. Mm. They aerate soil. They pollinate plants. They control various pests. Um, and an interesting thing I read is that after forest fires... Um, there are obviously plants that grow quicker and thrive in yes. those post-fire environments. And yes. insects eat those plants so that it kind of levels the playing fields and helps maintain the like massive biodiversity. Otherwise, like one or two plants could just take over. Oh, sure. God, nice Not only that, yeah, killing it. Uh, they're also a food source for pretty much every animal in the Amazon. Yeah, nice. And the uh, indigenous Tucanoan people in mm. northwest Brazil, mm-hmm. uh, about 26, 25, 26% of their diet is insects. Oh, damn. We should, that, we, yeah. I feel like we've talked about this before. We, sh- we should be doing that. Insects are the protein of the future. Nice. So, yeah, insects important in the Amazon. I just have some, some cool insect stuff, some cool insects. I don't know what your offshoots were, but happy to go back and forth as my uh, fact was one sentence. <laughs> I, I loved it. It was so to the point. I also have some cool insect stuff, but before that, I have some cool Amazon stuff. So, should I do some Amazon stuff and then we yeah, can talk yeah. insects? Drop Amazon stuff on Drop it. it. Drop it like it's hot. So, um, reading all about the Amazon, I felt like I was doing like a like a primary school project. It like, was really fun. Yeah. I really, I wanted to get like a big piece of like blue card. You wanted to make a poster? Make like a poster? Yeah. Yeah, where you like write stuff and just cut it out and put on a poster instead of submitting it. I don't know. Anyway, yes. uh, with pictures yeah. and stuff. But and like half the, half the sites that I read were also like definitely geared towards children doing school projects. But I was yeah, like, Yeah, some of them were great. like nature for kids. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so 2.5 million species of insect in the Amazon is 90% of all species in the Amazon, which is like a lot of insects. Yeah, they um, dominate. 
yeah, and an example of this was <laughs> ah, that's good. In my in my notes, I wrote scientists, but I made a typo, and then I kept the typo because it made me chuckle. And put in brackets, here's a typo that I kept. <laughs> <laughs> good note taking. So the sentence reads: Once scientists discovered. <laughs> <laughs> it's they're the ones you were the, we were talking about before. There are scientists, and then there are scientists. <laughs> They yeah. discovered 700 different beetle species sharing one tree. Oh, my God. Isn't that ridiculous? That's just bunkers. Yeah. So, the Amazon, like, there's a lot of it. But mm-hmm. um, compared to the rest of the Earth, it's a relatively small area. But it represents 10% of the entire Earth's biodiversity, which is some estimated 30 million species just in the Amazon River Basin, which is just ridiculous. So unbelievable. And like I said, we've barely described and cataloged any of of this. But there, I read a few like examples of studies where people had just like gone into different areas of the Amazon and just like, oh, here's a paper that we wrote about our trip. Uh, We discovered 10,000 new species of something. And there was one like this guy called Jose Albertino Rafael uh, went to an existing, there's like a, an observation tower somewhere in Brazil that was built for something else. And it's just like sitting there in the middle of the forest, but you can see, you can climb all the way up into the canopy. Uh, and they just cataloged insects that they found and trapped at levels above the forest floor. Because he was like, oh, when people think about insects, they just look at the ground. He was like, I wonder what happens above the ground. And just mm. like, Above the ground, all the way up to the canopy, which is like 32 meters or something. They collected 37,000 insects, loads of which were flies. And of the 857 different fly species they collected in their little trip, 60% of them uh, all, blah, 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 60% of them were found above ground level, which he was like, oh, that proves my hypothesis. And most of them were thought to be new species. They still need to catalog them, all that stuff. That's wild. Yeah, it's crazy. So... Th- that's those are the things about the Amazon. It's an incredible place, and we should do everything we can to protect it. Uh, but we suck at that. So, insect populations are insane because I think I remember reading that, like the the Natural History Museum in London or New York or one of the big ones, they still have some of Darwin's specimens so that they're cool. still cataloging. Oh, they haven't still even doing. got to yet. Yeah. What? They have like. Um, file cabinets full of stuff that they just haven't cataloged yet. So there could be that's that's why so many times they discover new beetles because it's not necessary that they've discovered it, but that Darwin discovered it and it. now they're writing it down. That is yeah, crazy. That's really cool. Like, what was I going to say? But it's it's so cool and exciting that whilst we are also deforesting and destroying habitat there are still species of stuff that we don't know about like you think the human race has discovered everything but that, that is not true it's still exciting yeah yeah uh so i looked up some dope insects should we go one for one yeah let's do it hit me with your number one insect fact first one i got was the rhino beetle ah so cool so named because of its massive horn it is proportionately the strongest animal on the entire planet. Really? It can lift 850 times its own body weight. With its, I, with its, and, with its horn thing. <clears throat> yeah, because like, when they fight, they like try and get under each other and flip them. So I'm now going to try and see... 
I actually weighed myself last night. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to see how much that would be for me. Wow, um, what the fuck just happened? Sorry. <laughs> Technical difficulties. That would be the equivalent of me. <laughs> wow, that would be the <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> that can't be right. Oh my goodness. That would be the equivalent of me deadlifting 70,000 kilos. 70 tons. Yes. Yeah, I don't reckon you can do that. It's a bonkers amount of strength that they possess. Yeah. Um, I just opened my DB Cooper notes again. Um, Perfect. Uh, and while the the Rhino Beetles are super aggressive during these duels where they like try and flip each other yeah. and kill each other, they are actually incredibly gentle and harmless uh, around humans and they're super popular pets. Really? Because they are um, very calm and they don't just need a lot of space. Hang out. That's cool. Yeah. Mm. I, I didn't look into whether we should have them as pets, yeah. only that people do. So take that with a grain of salt. Always. Cool. All right. My first fact is the bullet ant. Oh, that was my next one. Also to so that. cool. Yeah. And also terrible. This is one bad mofo ant. So mm -hmm. they can be up to three centimeters long. And I was like, okay, small ant size. And then I just like made three centimeters with my fingers. And I was like, that's a big ant. I think it's the second biggest ant in the world. Yeah. So you you see one of those and you're like, that's too big. I'm a I'm a steer clear of this. And with <laughs> with good reason, Lloyd. Uh, Tell me why. They have one of the most incredibly painful stings, and they're called the bullet ant because it's like getting shot. Uh, and apparently, Ooh. the the effects <laughs> of said sting can't be relieved for sometimes. Like to get over it, it takes a full twenty four hours before the pain recedes. And according to one source. The sting can reach four plus on the Schmidt Sting Pain Index. So, four. Well, I'm going to need some context for the Schmidt I, Pain I didn't, Index. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't oh. do that. I just said, so there's that. <laughs> because I was like, that sounds like something stupid. All right. Well, before <laughs> you move on, I want to look up. I got stung by a wasp recently. I'm going to look up what a wasp is on the Schmidt Pain Index. Great idea. It, it may not even be on there. It might pain be. level one. Uh... Pain, okay, so pain level one is like fire ants, wasps, bees. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so That's it's painful just enough, like, it, and it's, it's it's the not... bottom, and then this is the top. Yeah, and so have you seen Hamish and Andy's gap year shows? Yes, I was going to bring this up as well. Yeah, so uh, I'm sure we've mentioned them before. Hamish and Andy, excellent Australian comedians, podcasters, travel overall good people welcome on the show anytime uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, they do the gap year tv show and one of them was in south america and of course they visited the amazon and there's a tribe in the amazon that uses bullet ants as part of their initiation rites they basically make an oven mitt of of like woven stuff and fill it with bullet ants and then you have to put your hands in these gloves for five minutes and hamish did it and it did not look fun. Yeah, it, he was in agony. Like, if you've never seen someone in real life be in true agony, it, yeah. it, it was pretty intense. Yeah, it's like they do stuff where they're like, oh, it's like jackass. Oh, we got, we got funny hurt. But he was in pain. Serious real pain. pain. Yeah. And I would never, ever want to be bitten by one of them. It's like, it's like the, the, um, the stonefish that you get in mm. places. You don't want to step on one of those because the pain is so unbearable. So the Schmidt Pain Index is actually a guy called Schmidt 
who gets stung by stuff. There's a guy on YouTube who does a TV show in now that does similar things. Um, this guy did something similar where he gets bit by like venomous creatures and then so it's, records it's, the, the really thing. yeah. It's a I and I've like, heard that like I yeah, go on. No, I was just gonna say you're really getting into this Schmidt pain index thing. Well, I, I'm bringing it up because one, I've heard that it's super helpful for um, treatment because people who create medicine and study these insects usually can't get like a recorded view of someone getting bitten and then fully they, these people are professionals where they can still describe what they're feeling yeah they're not just like writhing that, so it's actually really helpful but he has a quote here about the bullet ants oh i'll read to you yes from said, from mr schmidt from schmidt himself oh damn that's awesome pure intense brilliant pain like walking over flaming charcoal with a three inch nail embedded in your heel has he also done that <laughs> how does he know what that feels like <laughs> should we trust anything this guy says uh that's i i love that that's like his job and the schmidt mm-hmm. pain index is not from someone that made up a theory that just got stung and bitten by a bunch of things and made a record of it it's a guy called schmidt uh it's incredible and i can only imagine it as schmidt from the show new girl and that makes me chuckle yeah that's what i when i typed it in his face came up perfect <laughs> uh, all right it's your bug lloyd your insect my next insect is the assassin bug that was my next one also this is going well <laughs> this is great uh the quote i have here is that the sheer ingenuity of the assassin bug is seemingly boundless awesome and i'll give a couple of examples Please. they've been known to cover themselves in dead ants <laughs> Um, so dark. <laughs> when when ants die, they release a pheromone so that other ants know to carry them to like their death pit. Mm. And if they've they've sprayed live ants with this pheromone, and those live ants will take themselves to the death pit. So these pheromones are like really strong. Damn. And then when ants come to get them, they just like feast on them. Yeah, hectic. They've also covered their legs in tree sap. And then flown through the air, just like kicking bees and catching bees in their sticky, <laughs> sticky legs. And they look pretty cool as well. Did you see a photo of this bug? Yeah, they look really cool. This, um, yeah, that's weird. That it's, it's. You think of like animals having smart hunting techniques, but you don't really think of bugs. They have a. Um, it's called a proboscis, 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 which is their nose. Yeah. Um, when they kill bees, they inject a toxin into them. That liquefies the inside of the bee, and they just slurp them up like a drink. <laughs> what? Yeah, it sounds like a terrible fucking way to go. It sounds like a, a it's like a predator. It's like a movie thing. <laughs> yeah, it's really fucked up. Liquefies the insides and slurpy slurp slurp. <laughs> yeah. Wow, the assassin bug. Go. Uh, mine is the jewel caterpillar. Ooh, I also had the jewel caterpillar. <laughs> we read the same websites. <laughs> we, we may have. Uh, so cool. They're like tiny little caterpillars that have these incredible colors on them. And they have these like funky little spikes on their back that you can verify this. To me, they looked like kind of tiny little branches rather than spikes. Mm. Yeah. They're just like, they look very cool. But apparently they're quite speedy for a caterpillar. It's like, how fast is a fast caterpillar? Ooh, so, so caterpillar top speed <laughs> like a like not can, to 60 jewel caterpillar <laughs> but anyway there, while you, there isn't one no, there isn't one unbelievable no one's measured that damn it schmidt 
<laughs> with the, the radar gun. <laughs> uh, but anyway, one of their natural defenses is just being a little bit gooey. They're just like a little bit sticky. <laughs> so predators like put the mouth on them like, ah. <laughs> and while they're like trying to get rid of this slime or goo or whatever, this incredibly fast caterpillar just zooms away. <laughs> Where'd it go? Oh, God, I'm going to go on YouTube and I really hope there's a jewel caterpillar. I can't imagine they're as fast as I hope they are. What do I... Like, do they walk? Do they run? Speed? I, I reckon oh. they probably amble. I think they probably amble at an above average caterpillar pace. <laughs> I haven't seen many caterpillars going much faster than stationary. Yeah, compared to a caterpillar, he's fucking lightning. Oh, he's going pretty quick. Yeah, he's he's getting a, a mosey on for a caterpillar. Getting a mosey on. God, I've really got it. Like, where, where are you going, buddy? You got a bit on? <laughs> he's got a shit. <laughs> Did you say he's got a shit? Yeah. <laughs> i got to find the edge of this leaf so I can shit up it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lloyd, what bug have you got that's definitely the next one on my list as well? All right, the next one I have is the Brazilian wandering spider. Wandering spider? Mm-hmm. Not an insect, but I'll allow it because I also have spiders, but not this one. Uh, so called because it does not build webs, and I wrote, they simply wander around waiting for shit to fuck up. <laughs> uh, they sound evil. Uh, one of the most venomous spiders in the world. Are Certain they? sources have said that they are the most venomous spider in the world, but apparently Guinness... Um, every now and again goes back and forth. So I think ah. as they like find not even new spiders, but test the same species, they might find another one that has more yeah, venom. Sure, not sure. really sure, but they go back and forth. So at some point it's been the most yeah. venomous spider. Damn. Um, once a human is bitten, um, initial symptoms might be severe burning pain, sweating, goosebumps, high or low blood pressure, fast or slow heart rate, depending on how you react, nausea, abdominal cramping hypothermia vertigo blurred vision convulsions excessive sweating shock and death if left untreated so like all the good stuff yeah yeah so if you think of a symptom <laughs> it'll give it to you oh no <laughs> oh lordy um and apparently people think that they're really aggressive because they are so dangerous and they when they are threatened they like lift up and put their like big front legs and fangs out mm. um but they're not aggressive at all but they're very uh defensive so if you if you like stumble near a nest or if yeah. if it's chilling and you scare it it'll it'll, it'll get retaliate you. but it doesn't come looking for you yeah. oh, thank god i don't want to ever know that there's a big spider that's looking for me <laughs> my next bug was also a spider but it appears that i i, di- I didn't write down what it was called (laughs) oh you just have spider i I wrote for a terrifying looking spider these things are cool and didn't say which spider it was (laughs) did you it's i think it was called just like the water spider or something like that that was the only spider i had but um hold on let's just no i took my sources let me i should have just clicked on one of these i i i i i made this spider upload that's incredible it's not on any of my sources you must have... What? What's the description of it? We can track right. this down. So, <laughs> they are up to eight inches, which is a large spider. They are beautiful green, gold, and white colors. And they're semi-aquatic, which I thought was really cool. Because spiders are, like you say, they're either in webs or they're wandering around fucking shit up. <laughs> so, they wait in the water for insects. Oh, it's the, it's the fishing spider. The Amazon fishing spider. Nice. We did it, you guys. 
It's a big spider and it sits at the edge of water and it sometimes eats fish and other amphibian things that you don't expect a spider to eat. It, oh, it grabs them, God. injects them with its vicious venom and then chows right on down. And apparently some of the different species of them can even encase themselves in, in an air bubble and go below the water. What? And that was the, that was where I was like, I you read the next word in my notes. It was caps. What? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, this can't be real. So I checked out aquatic spiders in general. And you mentioned the diving bell spider is a European and Asian spider that spends most of its life underwater, but it still breathes air. What it does is it's also quite a large, scary looking spider. They trap air in their abdomen and leg hairs. And apparently that's enough for them to to breathe and occasionally they will just come up to the surface to get some more air all up in their fluff and then go back and live below the water isn't that weird imagine going for a swim and coming up against a big spider i would be like that's enough i'm going home fuck that i mean incredibly cool piece of environmental engineering but fuck that yeah uh, I'm glad we find it the fishing spider though. That's that's what it's called because some at some point someone was like, "Shit, that that spider's eating a fish." <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that spider doing? <laughs> so, Lloyd, I reckon we probably have time for for a, a bug more each, unless you have anything else specific to add in, add on to this. Nope, I got one more bug. Perfect. Hit me up. Oh, I got one more bug and one sentence that is unrelated to bugs, but is funny. Right. No, it's act. That's. That, it, Cut that. I have a bug and a thing. <laughs> okay, perfect. Do your bug, and then I'll do my bug, uh, and then you do your thing. It's the Amazonian giant centipede. Oh, that sounds yuck. Oh, it is yuck. It's about 30, <laughs> 30 centimeters in length, which oh, is fucking that's, massive. That's a yucky length. Uh, it has a varied diet, not only eating invertebrates, but can overpower and kill lizards mice frogs and birds it's because it's got so many legs just like walks up to them and it's just punching just punching <laughs> <laughs> birds are like oh no yeah <laughs> mike, <laughs> mike tyson can throw a pretty good four punch combo but <laughs> the centipede uh so it has a pair of modified legs called four four sipules, which it uses to like it punches them, but uh, stabs them and uh, like injects toxin. Uh, and then it will climb it to the steady. ceiling. It, yeah. It climbs to the ceiling of caves where it can hang on with a few of its legs. Uh, and don't worry, it has 96 other uh, legs where it can like manipulate its prey and hang like a bat and like move them around and shit. Oh, weird injecty Mike Tyson Dr- Dracula centipede. <laughs> Oh, oh, I hate that. Centipedes are already the worst fucking animals. Yeah, and then you gross. make them 30 centimeters big. Oh, <laughs> God, I made the mistake of Googling it. Oh, it's so big. Yeah, I'm not doing that. And I hate the way that you said 30 centimeters big. That That's weirded me out. <laughs> 30 centimeters. <laughs> Why would you even do that? <laughs> All right. Uh, oh, God, this centipede is just fucking... Yeah, that's enough. Sorry, I'm going to end on a... On a, on a on a cute note there's, there's, there's a bee called the orchid bee it's small oh that sounds nice and it comes in these hectic metallic green blue and gold colors and it looks really cool and it's very good and it's nice and it's a bee so it does good things for the environment it's not a oh bees bee. are the best yeah look up whoa old. isn't it cool yeah it's like it's like you unlocked new colors on need to speed <laughs> your bee <laughs> yeah you've gone you've gone to the shop need to speed underground too and you've got the the what are those colors the like the incandescent uh, p- p- yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's one of them it's a cool bee uh, 
It's a really cool bee. Excellent, yeah. excellent bug to end on. Yeah. All right. What's your one thing, and then we got to wrap it up. Uh, my one thing is based on my very, very rough estimates. It would take me forty-two days straight to list all of the insects in the Amazon. Mm, I love that you did that math. That's a lot. And also, mm-hmm. we don't know all the insects, so you couldn't even do it. No, I could get that. That's that's a scientific estimate based on some method that Rob claims exists. Must be right. Yeah, that's it's a lot of insects, you guys. Some of them are cool. Some of them are terrifying. Protect the Amazon, though. Well, we need to protect the terrifying ones, I guess. Yeah, they, um, I suppose. That was, I mean, insects, DB Cooper. This was one of my favorite episodes to record. Had a it big, was big. I had a big fun. <laughs> what? You son of a bitch! It's thirty centimeters. Big fun. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is it. That's episode four of the Unintelligent Chat Show. We obviously had a great time, despite being hungover. We hope you also did, if you're hungover or not hungover. Uh, find us on the, either way on the things where uh, email is uh, UCS the UCS podcast at gmail.com we're on Instagram and Twitter reach out email say g'day all the good uh, stuff and we will speak to y'all next week cheerio